What is up, everyone? I'm Ryan from Fireside Knicks with my friend and co-host Dylan Backer. And in today's episode, we are previewing Game 3, which, you know... Again, you know, every game in the postseason is massive. You know, game two is huge because the Knicks, you know, they had to win that game. So they didn't go down 2-0 heading to Miami. Game one was huge because you didn't want to go down 0-1. That's unfortunately that ended up happening. And we talked about it time and time in that Cavs series. You know, when you're up 2-1, winning that game four so you can, you know, take that 3-1 lead and kind of get a grapple on the series. Or, you know, winning game three in general. But we know game three, we know every game in the postseason is pivotal. But this one's extremely pivotal, right? You're in Miami. If you can take a game here, if you can, if you can really... You can put yourself up 2-1, uh, you know, you, you put yourself back in the driver's seat. You know, Miami has confidence. I, I said this coming into the series. All they felt like they needed to do probably was grab one of those games uh, in at Madison Square Garden to start out the series. Um, and, and now the pressure is still on the Knicks, right? Now, obviously, Jimmy Butler was not available in the last game. Uh, Julius Randle was not available in the first game. So, uh, barring any unforeseen injuries between now and tomorrow, we'll have two fully healthy Knicks and Heat teams and two teams that have battled back and forth all year. We've seen both sides have, you know, that definitive game regular season and postseason against each other. Um, defining moments, they both have guys, you know, in Brunson and Butler who in the fourth quarter are just untouchable at times. Uh, but with that being said, a lot to talk about, a lot to discuss. Dylan, how are you feeling about Game 3, and how are you doing today, my friend? Let's get started. Right, man. So, you know, really looking forward to Game 3. They've had a few days off. I'm getting eager to watch Knicks basketball again. I need to see this team play play some basketball, you know. Really looking forward to it. 1-1 series, you know, like you said, Butler and Randall should be both on the floor. You know, the Knicks will still actually be an advantage because, you know, I think you forgot to mention, but Tyler Hero is still out. Victor Oladipo is still out. Miami's still, you know, shorthanded a little bit. Yeah, they'll have their stars, but they're still going to be a little shorthanded, and they're missing a key piece in Hero. So we're going to be fully healthy, and we have the advantage still in that regard, you know, thankfully. You know, maybe some guys are going to be hobbled up a little bit, such as, like, you know, Josh Hart's been nursing that ankle injury for since the early first round. Jalen Brunson's had the ankle issue a couple times flare up. Julius Randle, of course, you know, his injury. You know, the guys are getting battered a little bit, but they're battling, so that's huge. You know, we love to see that. We love to see them commit to, you know, staying on the court and playing these big games because these are huge games. These are playoff games, you know, and Game 3 is going to be a huge one. You know, it's 1-1. You want to swing the series back in your favor. You kind of feel like you did that in Game 2, but, you know, you're not quite there yet. Now, at this point, it's just the best of five series up to this point. So, right now, you want to take advantage of that and, like, treat it as if you want to go up. Let's say it was a best of five and you go up 1-0. You treat this one like that. This is Game 3 of a 1-1. You're on the road. You got another game on the road after this one. You really want to take at least one on the road. You really want to do that. You do not want to go back home down 3-1. You do not want to do that. If you're down 3-1... You're not in a good position whatsoever. I think everyone knows that. Not many teams go back from come back from down three one. Doesn't really happen that much in the NBA. You don't want to do that. You just gotta take at least one on the road. I would love it if they can take both on the road. Because if they can take both on the road, then this is their series to lose at this point. But right now we just gotta look at game three. You don't want to look too far ahead. You know, and one particular guy that I think we need to discuss is Emmanuel Quickly. He's someone I think everyone thinks of at this point that definitely needs to step up. You know, we've seen some guys, you know, they've had good games, had bad games. You know, some guys who have struggled this postseason will come out with a good game. Quickly is yet to kind of have that that game that you feel like he made an absolute difference. I mean, he had a good game in game five of round one. He had 19 points, but it was an inefficient 19. And you also, you know, don't feel like it was like anything much because, I mean, the Knicks were up double figures most of that entire game. So he kind of just added to that. I want to see quickly kind of make a difference, though. We haven't really seen that yet. This postseason, he's averaging just 8.6 points, and he's shooting just 35% from the field and 24.1% from three. 
that's not typically what we see at a quickly. That's unfortunately the quickly we saw from, you know, October to December of this year. You know, I don't want to see that come back. I want to see the January to April quickly where he was playing really, really good and playing up to a six man of the years type standards. You know what I'm saying? I want to see that, you know. So I guess I'm going to, you know, ask you this, but like, you know, other than the three pointers, you know, what do you what else do you want to see out of quickly you know because obviously the three pointers is a massive issue and the three pointers have not really been falling but if the threes continue to not fall which unfortunately might happen what do you want him to do really in game three well, you know, one of the big things quickly he's provided to you is defense. He's remained an excellent defender. Obviously, he's a very tenacious guy. He goes out there and he's high motor, all that stuff. But, you know, uh, not just the, the three-point shot, the floaters, you know, all that stuff. Just getting creative, getting aggressive, getting on a roll, right? You know, you feel like if quickly can come out of game three, you know, have a strong first quarter or second quarter um, and carry that into the fourth and late into the game. Now, you know, if you're Jalen Brunson, you we all know Jalen Brunson's capable of creating his own shot, tearing apart a defense, you know, getting into the paint, driving with the floater, um, you know, getting, taking charges, you know, hitting big threes. We know he's capable of all of that. Uh, but if you have a second guard who can shot create alongside him and, and, you know, be that creative score like quickly, now defenses have to respect quickly's game. Right now, if you're an NBA defense, if you're the Miami Heat, your focus is all on Jalen Brunson. You'd rather quickly shoot the shot from three than, than Brunson. You'd rather quickly shoot the floater than Brunson. And, and, you know, if you're quickly, the talent hasn't gone away, right? It's like you, your talent level goes down after, uh, you know, six, seven posts season games, but, uh, you know, the, the Miami Heat are obviously, and if I was Eric Spolstra, if I was the Miami defense, I'd focus way more on Brunson or uh, even Barrett at this point than quickly, um, you know, but if quickly can, can play to his talent level, now Miami's defensive plans are, are thrown away. They have to commit a little bit more to stopping quickly, which opens up opportunities, you know, whether it's RJ driving towards the paint or Brunson gets free and he's able, and you know, he, he's got a chance or a mismatch defensively. He's got a chance to, uh, you know, get some separation for a big three-pointer or drive towards the basket for a floater. You know, it's it's about it's just about him, his ability to shot create and create a distraction, and, and you know, make the Miami Heat think more. Um, that's really it, right? You know, we saw that you know back two years ago when the Knicks uh, made the playoffs with Randall and RJ as their number one and number two. Um, when both of them faltered, when specifically when Randall really faltered, the Knicks were without a shot creator. The Knicks were without a reliable scoring aggressive guy, uh, and the team fell apart around that, right? But this year's team is so much more different. They're a lot deeper, and part of that in the regular season was Emmanuel quickly, right? You felt like, you know, Brunson could be out and quickly could still give you 30. You know, Randall could have an off game and, and quickly can step up, right? Barrett struggled a lot with his shooting down the stretch and quickly rose to the occasion, right? Um, you know, it, it feels like this team, their offense hasn't clicked yet in this postseason. They've had big wins. They've had defining moments. They've had defining performances, but they haven't as an offense necessarily clicked. And as you mentioned, not just the three-point shot, but everything in general for quickly just hasn't been there. And if he can just click, I'm not saying, you know, get the numbers up on the postseason as a total to his regular season numbers, because that's going to take an offensive explosion. But give me the efficient 16, 17 points with a bunch of, uh, with a lot of them in big time moments and in late game situations. Just give Miami something else to think about. Uh, and that'll carry over into other games as well but um with, with that being said you know I think the focus of every game you're going to play for the New York Knicks at this point is going to be the health of Julius Randle 
I, again, I know what I'm getting from Jalen Brunson. If he plays poorly, this team's obviously not going to play very well, but I feel confident in his consistency. Josh Hart can impact the game positively, even without playing well offensively. And I feel the same way about Quickly. I still think Quickly is a positive contributor, even when he's not shooting well. Um, but Julius Randle is kind of like the X factor here, right? We saw last game wasn't the best game in the world for him, but the diff- he was a difference maker. You know, we talked about this in game one, too, where not having Randle was a big reason why this team offensively was looked like they were just a shell of themselves. Randle isn't excellent basketball player he is one of the best uh scoring forwards in the league right and he doesn't get that credit from Knicks fans at times um but I think his health is the biggest key here if he's healthy and ready to go and he looks like the way he did in game one game two even though again wasn't the most efficient eye in the world I think this team's gonna win the game Uh, I don't know what you think about that uh but yeah Julius Randle's health I think that's probably the biggest thing going game to game here in this series what do you think no, I definitely agree. You know, Randall is our lone all-star. People got to remember. So, and you know, he didn't accidentally make the all-star team. He deservedly made that all-star team. And he's quite frankly on his way to another all-NBA team, <clears throat> which is also very deserving. You know, so definitely Julius Randall makes a big difference. You know, game two, we saw a great performance out of him. Was, like you said, it wasn't like, you know, the best performance we've seen out of Randall ever. No, you could argue it was his best playoff performance, though, ever. You know, 25 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists, just impacting the game in many ways that you didn't have in game one. You didn't have that physicality in game one you didn't have all that rebounding in game one you had less playmaking in game one because you were missing him it's a lot of stuff you're missing and of course the scoring as well you know it takes a hit when you don't have him on the floor you know he averaged 25 points a game that's no mistake he's that good you know what I mean so Having him back on the floor was huge for game two. You know, it clearly proved dividends because it helped us, you know, win that game. I'm pretty sure him and RJ in the first half combined to score 37 of the 51 points. You know, again, that's not a coincidence. They are that gifted of scores. You know, when Randall was on the floor, it does make players better. You you know, maybe one can argue that, you know, certain players may not perform as well with Randall on the floor because of how Randall's aggressive, you know, shot making or shot taking, I should say, is. And that's okay. But Randall is definitely a difference maker in a, in a positive way. You know, for people who want to say it's a net negative, it's just wrong. You know, I think we kind of saw that in game one. We tried, you know, we started Obi Toppin, and Knicks, some Knicks fans were like, oh, that's actually an advantage for us. You know, the ball moves better. Yeah, but, you know, there are still things you're missing out of him. That's not discrediting Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin and Randall are just two different players, two completely different players that impact the game in different ways. And, you know, to Randall's credit, he does he does do a bit more on that on you know other aspects of the game that impact it and to impact winning you know what i mean like i mean it's no coincidence that the two years that randall has had these all nba seasons we've been a playoff team people forget in 2021 he basically carried us to that playoff appearance you know what i mean we started alfred payton and reggie bullock in, in the starting lineup and made the postseason strictly because of julius randall i'm just being honest you know rj barrett had a good season that year but it was strictly because of randall if randall was not there or if randall didn't even play up to that standard we're not making the playoffs that year and you could argue too that if he's not playing as well as he was this year, we're not the fifth seed. We may be looking at a play-in spot, if anything. You know, so just looking at that, he does make a massive difference. People got to realize that. You know, another thing I'm looking at right here, this is kind of, you know, shifting gears a little bit here. But, you know, overall, like you said, the Knicks have not been playing the prettiest basketball this postseason. Yet they're 5-2 and two overall. I have the stats in front of me. Amongst NBA teams that are still in the playoffs, they rank dead last in field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and free throw percentage. They rank dead last in every single shooting split you can imagine, yet they're still 5-2 and two in the playoffs. You know, yes, it's a good thing they're winning those games, but of course you want the shots to fall because if you're shooting that bad, it's not going to get you a far run in the playoffs. Right now it's got us to the second round, but if you continue to shoot that poorly, you might not even get past this round. 
you know, we saw in game one, their poor three-point shooting kind of killed them. You know, they probably would have won game one if just a couple more threes fell. You know, I saw a thing, J.J. Redick even said that Josh Hart texted him after game one and said, if I just hit a couple more threes, we would have won that game. He's absolutely right. If they would have just hit a few more threes, they would have won that game. You know, Miami didn't necessarily kill you in game one. You kind of, they kind of beat themselves. The Knicks here I'm talking about, they kind of beat themselves in game one. You know, in game two, they bounced back, you know, shot much better from three. I think they went 16 to 40 from three. That's what I like to see. I want to see that continue you know I don't want to see it slow down so you know I guess my question to you is kind of just you know obviously we want to see the shots continue to fall but you know let's say worst case scenario they kind of slip a little bit and you know they don't hit as many shots you know what do you what do you want to see them you know kind of just do to kind of you know, help them win this game, you know, because this is a big one, and, you know, playing on the road with a tougher defense, you know, they're going to play more physical, so you can't expect them to shoot amazing again, you can't, you know, and teams are also going to come out more aggressive after a loss, so that's what I kind of just want to hear your take on. Yeah, you know, I, I think that end of the day, we're looking at a Knicks team that has, you know, despite, as you mentioned, all the offensive struggles, they're the they're they're currently the best team in the postseason in terms of defensive net rating or defensive rating. Uh, so they've done their job defensively. But as you mentioned, just hitting a couple of shots here and there, they don't have to shoot 40 something percent from three on 40 something attempts. If they shot 35% from three in game one, they win that game handedly. If they shoot 35% from three today or better, I, I think they win the game, right? Uh, barring a defensive collapse that I'm unaware of. Um, but, you know, again, Randall, you know, the Knicks, the Knicks, if you look at the Knicks offensive rating with him off the court, it's 115, which is good, right? Don't get me wrong. But with him on the court, it's 120.1, right? You know, that's going from, hey, you know, borderline top 10 offense to by far the best offense in the NBA. Yes, they take a step back defensively with him on the court. I, I understand that, right? 117 uh, offensive rating for the opposing team. But um, you also have to factor in the fact that, well, the second unit is a little bit more competent defensively. There are, uh, uh, the big issue with the second unit, uh, and I say issue in quotation marks, was that they were a lot. They were getting great defensive play, but not enough offensive play. So it's kind of a difference in the styles of uh, you know the first unit and the second unit. Um, but it's not like Randall's a turnstile, right? Like Toppin genuinely gets overmatched by certain guys, and he can't handle some of those matchups, right? Um, but... But Randall is a competent player in that regard. I think he's a bet. I don't think he's a great defender, but I think he's a presence in the in, in the paint that I got. You have to respect. Um, and I think his offense, of course, creates more spacing. It gives again Miami way more to think about because he can just kind of he can pull it from three from anywhere, right? And he will. That's the thing. It's not that he can't. He will. Right. You know, again, you mentioned the offensive regression sometimes can play to his negative. But, you know, I think this year, at least for the most part, I think it's played to his benefit because teams have to respect him. They can't just say, all right, you know, we'll give you some space of three. He'll pull up from anywhere. Uh, he is, I mean, obviously he won't pull up from the logo, but, you know, he'll pull up from almost anywhere on the court. He's, he is an aggressive scorer, and you've got to have a guy on him. And, and when you also have to have a guy on Brunson, and now you have to have a guy on Barrett right now because of the way he's scoring. It creates a lot of issues for Miami. It, it creates defensive collapses for Miami. And Miami, it's not like Miami's played terrible defense in the series or has played terrible uh, defense as a whole. They ran into a really good Bucks team and, and they were able to take them down. And, and that's because uh, they were able to make a, the right defensive plays. They've shot they've shot extremely well in the postseason. They're shooting 60.8% in terms of true shooting percentage, only behind the Boston Celtics. So if the Knicks can continue to put defensive pressure on them you know, and, and throw them off their game, they're, I think they're going to go out and win, right? I think they can go out and win, as you mentioned, if they just hit some threes. They don't even have to be excellent. They don't have to be great. Just be okay. Be solid. Be mediocre, right? And I think you'll uh, you'll do fine. But, you know, my big question for you here is, you know, there's obviously every game, you know, there and, and whenever the Knicks win, there's usually that one guy. It's, you know, obviously you expect Brunson and or Randall and or 
both uh, to contribute to a win, but usually it's one of Josh Hart or Quentin Grimes or even an RJ Barrett or Emmanuel Quickly uh, who step up and have a big game. Uh, maybe guys like even Mitch, right? You know, who is the guy in, to, in today's game or tomorrow's game, excuse me, that you feel like is going to step up and be that third piece, that like the third best player behind that uh, all-star level duo uh, for the Knicks in game three? Who do you think that guy ends up being? Well, you know, in my opinion, I think it might be Josh Hart. You know, we saw, you know, Josh Hart didn't have the best offensive game in game two. You know, for most of the game, he wasn't really hitting his shots, but he was impacting the game and rebounding and playmaking. He had a bunch of assists. He was getting a bunch of rebounds, some clutch offensive rebounds, some big defensive boards, of course. But, you know, and obviously hit those two big threes down the stretch. And at the end of the day, that was all that mattered. So, you know, we're not going to look too deep into his, you know, scoring stat line from game two because at the end of the day, he did do what he was supposed to do. But I'm hoping, you know, for game Game three that he just has an even bigger game not expecting like a 20 point game he's not the type of guy that does that every night but i'm i'm hoping for like you know an efficient like 18 17 points you know a couple threes you know get a lot of rebounds i'm expecting double figure rebounds i'm expecting double digit rebounds he plays aggressive he's the type of guy who wants to win this rest period will hopefully you know let him you know kind of heal up that ankle issue that was kind of nagging him a little bit hopefully it's not as much of an issue now but you know Let's just hope that like he can continue to uh, you know get those big rebounds when we need him to make those big plays with the ball you know with the playmaking and good passing and all that stuff transition offense too of course he's great in transition on the layups and stuff like that I'm expecting a decent game out of him expecting a very good game out of him and if you want me to pick another guy who would kind of you know hopefully have a big game. It's going to be Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson had a bit of a quiet game, too. Not many people really talked about it because Isaiah Hartenstein really stepped up and came through with those big offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter. But Mitchell Robinson did not have a good game, too, in my opinion. He only had six points. He only had five rebounds. for, And this was a rarity. He had no blocks or no steals. That's a rarity for Mitch. You know, he's usually always that presence in the paint who's always getting a couple blocks or a couple steals a game. He didn't have any of that on, on Tuesday in game two. You know, he only played 20 minutes as well because he was getting into foul trouble early. And Isaiah Hartenstein was clearly just, you know, the better matchup at the time for guys like Bam or Caleb Martin, the smaller lineup that they were trying to run against us. You know, so I'm hoping this time that Mitch can, one, avoid foul trouble. That's been his biggest issue pretty much his entire career. You know, he's, he's, he's dimmed it down a bit, which I, you know, I appreciate. But, you know, obviously it's still going to, you know, haunt him a couple times. So, one thing, limit the fouls. And two, you know, just, just do your job. You know, anchor that paint. Anchor that defense that you've been doing all season long. You know, there are times, you know, I see what they try to do. They try to, you know, keep Bam at, like, the you know top of the key to keep Mitch out of the paint. It's a good scheme, yeah, but, you know, at the same time, they got to realize, you know, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to keep you out of the paint. If you're Mitchell Robinson, you got to see that. that they're, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get to the basket because they, they see you're not in the paint. So they're trying to get there while you're not in there. You know, they're trying to beat you off that dribble. They're trying to get past you every time. Got to realize that a little bit. Read the offense a little bit better. You know, and I think he can have a strong game. I really do. You know, I don't, I, I can't, he's, I can't say he won't have a big game offensively, you know. I'm not going to sit here and act like he's going to get like a double-double or anything. You know, who knows? He may do that. He might not. I don't expect much offensively. I don't need him to do much offensively. Obviously, we need the offensive rebounds, and I love that. He's been probably easily the best offensive rebounder in this NBA playoffs. You know, you could argue he was the best offensive rebounder during the regular season, but right now he's undoubtedly the best offensive rebounder out of anyone in the playoffs right now. So I'm expecting that on offense. I don't need points out of him. I just need rebounds and defense, better better defense. That's main, my main thing. You know, he got kind of played off the floor in game two, so I'm really hoping in game three 
that he comes out strong, has a much better defensive performance. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't need a bunch of blocks or steals. I'm not saying blocks or steals are quintessential, but when he doesn't have blocks or steals, you could tell that means something's off. Something's not right with him. You know, this clearly was not a good game for him, and I'm sure Mitch would 1,000% agree with that. So, you know, I guess my question to you is, Ryan, like, you know, what are you hoping Mitchell Robinson does in Game 3? I think he's a guy that we really need to discuss and needs to step up. Yeah, no, um, I actually, when, when I presented this question to you, I was actually thinking of bringing up Mitch myself. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, in that Cavs series, he, I mean, he broke Jared Allen. I mean, the dude goes on and says the lights are a little brighter than I expected. Uh, no disrespect, but I would never be caught saying that after a postseason series loss, bro. That's bad. <laughs> uh, but he, I mean, he's straight up, I mean... The Cavs had two, not just one, two dominant interior figures defensively. And Mitch was just ragged on some of them dudes. So, you know, I, I'm not saying Bam is a guy you don't respect. Bam, you got to respect Bam. That dude is one of the best centers in the league, one of the best interior presences in the league. Um, he's excellent at what he does. Um, but if Mitchell Robinson can slow him down and create some disruption and establish the advantage in the interior for the Knicks instead of the Heat, that's going to go a long way. Look, the Knicks, as you mentioned, the Heat don't have Tyler Tyler Hero. That's part of their spacing, right? The Knicks have a lot of their shooters still. Some of them aren't hitting their shots, but if they can, if they do hit those shots, um, you're going to have the spacing advantage and also the interior advantage. It's hard to see yourself losing a ball game like that, right? Um, so, you know, I, I really do think Mitchell Robinson's impact, as you mentioned, defensively, offensively, getting offensive boards, uh, putting up, getting getting some blocks, um, and making some critical defensive plays could end up t- changing the tide of this series. And this game three is going to determine a lot for this series. So, uh, w- with that being said, though, you know, what are your what are your like final predictions for this game going into game three? You know, I- I'll keep mine brief. I, I think the Knicks are going to. You know, I don't think they're going to have the offensive breakout necessarily. I mean, I feel like it's kind of hard for me to predict it. And, you know, because every time I do, it doesn't really happen. Um, so I'm going to say it's a slog fest, more of like a 108 to like 102, 103 win. I, I think them in Miami are going to, uh, you know, they're it's going to be a, it's going to be a slog. It's going to be a grind to get points. Um, you know, these, that's kind of just the style of basketball. These two teams have played against each other. Miami really shot the lights out against the Bucks, but against the Knicks, it's been a different story and the Knicks haven't really found their shot all, all postseason. So, um, until they prove me otherwise, I'm going to continue going with low scoring games. What do you think about that? Well, if there's anything we've learned from really sports entirely this year, it's that you can't predict them at all whatsoever and that you really can't just assume something's going to happen because, you know, quite frankly, all 2023 sports have been the definition of unpredictable. But, you know, to talk about this game specifically for Game 3, I agree it's going to kind of be like, you know, not, not the cleanest game you ever see. It won't be like an offensive explosion. It won't be anything like too crazy. But I'm, I can expect a Knicks win. I can expect like, you know, something similar to what you said, like a Knicks win, like 105 to 101 or something like that. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I also don't think it's going to be like, you know, final second, final shot type game where it's going to go down to that literal last shot. I feel like the Knicks can get in control of this one. I do, you know, especially after, you know, trying to, they really want to be the ones to knock out Jimmy Butler this series. They really want to make a statement that they can win these playoff games on the road, no matter how intimidating they may seem, that those atmospheres may seem. So looking at that, I just hope the Knicks can, you know, have a good game. That's all I want. You know, play their brand of basketball, hit a few threes. They don't need to shoot 40% from three, like you said. You can't expect that every single night, but don't shoot like 20% from three again, like you did in game one. Just shoot decent from three, hit your shots. You know, get those rebounds, play good defense. You know, in game two, they kind of struggled with three-point defense a little bit. It was kind of annoying me a little bit as a fan watching it. So, you know, looking at that, I just hope they can limit Miami threes a little bit because, you know, 
You don't want to get killed by a three ball. You do not want to get killed by that. So just looking at that, hoping for good defense, good offense, you know, solid offense. I can't expect crazy good offense because, like I mentioned before, when you go on the road into a different atmosphere in the playoffs, those teams are going to be playing fierce, especially in a, especially in a scenario like this where it's 1-1 and they kind of need to take at least, and if you're Miami, they need to take at least one game while they're at home. They're going to be looking to really stop these guys. They're going to be playing hard. They're going to be playing physical, especially if Jimmy Butler is back on the floor. They're going to be playing even more physical. So it's you guys got to do your thing. Do your thing and combat all that as best you can, you know, and just just do what they've been doing all season up until, you know, up to the playoffs from like, you know, February up to April when they played great. Do that. You know, obviously the shots have not been falling as efficiently. We all know that at this point. Just need a good game. That's all I want. Those are are kind of my final thoughts on it. Yeah, end of the day, look, it's going to be a grind. It's going to be a battle for the Knicks. Um, There's no game Miami's going to let them have easily, or at least like, I mean, I'd hope they get it. I, I mean, I'd hope Miami would make it easy for the Knicks to win. That that'd be nice. A lot, you know, good for my heart rate. Um, but you know, I don't think they're gonna make it easy for this team. And I think the Knicks are gonna have to battle anytime they want to grab a win in this series. But with that being said, let us know what you guys think in the comment section below. We'd love for you guys to join in on a conversation. You can join in, you know, in the comment section below. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe, and turn on post notifications so you know when we post. But we're also on TikTok, Instagram, and of course Twitter, so you guys can also join the conversation there. So uh, make sure you guys are active. We're always talking about the Knicks. You guys can follow us on our personal Twitter accounts, uh, and, and of course, uh, if you guys ever want to talk Knicks or whatever in terms of New York sports, we're always down to. And of course, we appreciate your guys' support. We're on the road to 500 subscribers. You guys in the next episode. Peace out.